Hi, we are Caroline and Levi Holt, and we're part of the family here at Holt Farms. When I think of the people that I know that I watched wear Liberty overalls growing up, hard work, determination, perseverance, just a real appreciation for their craft and what they did and, and for things that, that lasted and for things that, that meant something to them. That's what I saw walking around in Liberty overalls. Shop LibertyBibs.com for your pair today. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today you'll meet Elizabeth Goat. Elizabeth is a homesteader, mother, and wife. She has always been involved with horses, but her love of farm and family continued to grow as she did. After having her children, her world changed and she went from being a strong, independent woman to finding herself battling with postpartum depression, as well as trying to find her place in the world as her role as a mother and caretaker of their home. I am so grateful for Elizabeth's vulnerability today with us here on the podcast, as I know this is a topic and conversation that is not spoken about nearly enough. So I truly appreciate your vulnerability, Elizabeth. So thank you for sharing your story on the podcast. Before we get to today's interview, let's go over this week's listener rating and review. This five-star rating and review is titled, Love the Podcast. So awesome to hear other women's stories and not feel so alone in this journey. Thank you for that short and sweet review over on Apple Podcasts. This comes from Freckled Bloom Flower Farm. Thank you so much for leaving that kind rating and review. And my friends, if you have not left a rating and review for the podcast yet, please do as this helps other like-minded individuals find the show and share the good word of rural women in agriculture. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's interview with Elizabeth. Elizabeth, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you today? I am doing excellent. I am so excited. Thank you for this opportunity. Hey, thank you for for sitting down and having a cup of coffee with me and sharing your story. It's always so fun to get to know somebody more and to be able to share that story with other people here on the podcast. So Elizabeth, before 
we dive into today's questions. For folks who are unfamiliar with you, Elizabeth, tell us who you are and how you got your start in agriculture. Awesome. My name is Elizabeth. I am from a small town in upstate New York called Parrish. And I'd have to say my earliest memory of being involved in agriculture wasn't until I was in high school. And the beef farmer around the corner from us had to have a hip surgery done. And he needed somebody to help clean his barn and feed his cows while he was recovering. And that is when I started in like, I call it real agriculture because I've always had horses, but taking care of somebody else's animals is what really got me started. And I would get on my horse and ride my horse down to the farm every morning and clean out the gutters and feed the calves and feed the rest of the cows and then check the fence real quick and run back home on the horse and then get ready for school. And then when I got home from school, I'd do it all again. So that is, that's my earliest memory of it. And from then on, I continued to work on horse farms and then I, well, I've known my husband for years, but we finally started dating. We were friends for a long time. We finally started dating and his family's heavy into agriculture and being more into involved in that kind of lifestyle. I just, I knew I wanted to do more. And now that I'm a stay-at-home mom with two wonderful children, my oldest will be six in two weeks and my youngest is three and a half. And being stay-at-home mom, I knew that I wanted to be able to provide things from our own land for our kids that I knew where things came from, what it had been fed, and I knew what I was feeding my kids. So that was really important to me. And so here we are. I so raised, here we are. Yeah. I raised um, New Zealand rabbits for pets or for processing. I try to give everyone a chance at a pet home before their date comes up they need to be processed and sometimes that works out and sometimes they go in the freezer would raise a cow for ourselves but we weren't really set up here to have cows so we swapped to goats and i know you're a huge goat fan Mm -hmm. so we have a couple and we milk them and same thing the, the babies get a chance at a pet home but if they're not sold by a certain date they also go in the freezer and we have chickens so a little bit of everything it depends on the season and what it is we want to do and what we can afford to do at that time we also still have horses that's amazing so many good things and (laughs) it's so fun to me to hear that uh, you got to go to your first job on horseback because i don't think many people uh, our age get to say that so (laughs) right Maybe the older generations could, but uh, not yep. quite ours. <laughs> yep. It was fun. Yeah. So tell me more about New Zealand rabbits. I don't know much about the breed. You know, how many kits do they normally have? And uh, what age do they get to before they have to go uh, to freezer camp? <laughs> so New Zealand rabbits are a very good dual purpose breed. You can have them for pets or to go in the freezer they can range in 
weight of nine to 12 pounds when they're fully grown. So if you're going to have a pet rabbit, you, you, you have to make sure you have the adequate space for this, for it to be your pet. They are a large rabbit. They're great. They, they have around, I have one doe, she has up to 13 kits. And then I have another that has 10 on a regular basis. I used to have more, but coming in the winter, I decided to downsize because this is a smaller operation. I can't afford to have it be too big in case selling it doesn't happen. We end up having to put them in the freezer. And that can be anywhere from 12 weeks to six months, depending on what type of rabbit, size rabbit you want. They can be on a smaller size of two to three pounds, or you can wait until they are finished at 12 pounds. I don't know if I've ever seen a 12-pound rabbit, but that sounds huge to me. <laughs> they, they are big. Uh, my joes that I have are very large, and they are so sweet. I love them. It's, it's probably one of the more difficult things, I think, to do everything at home because I don't send any of these out to be processed. I do all my own processing for everything. And uh, I think that's one of the more difficult questions I get from people is, I don't know how you do it or how do you do it? Right. Well, it's, it's very emotionally draining. I have to set myself up that week before and do a lot of mental preparedness to, to process. And then afterwards, it does send me into a little bit of depression and I have to take care of myself mentally afterwards. Right. I think that's so important to say, Elizabeth. I know the question that I get from from people that I know is like, I don't, I don't know how you do that, or I could never do that. And when yeah. we hear statements like that, it's kind of like I feel like you almost start questioning yourself. It's like, well, how can I do that? Why do I do that? Yeah. And then that sends you into that depressive state where you're just like, oh gosh, am I doing the right thing and questioning everything? Yeah, exactly. It, it can take a lot out of anybody to do this, and it is important. It's no different than saying to a nurse, oh, I don't know how you do your job. A lot of mental health. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it's funny, the the longer I've been in this life, I guess, the the more experience you have under your belt and the more you learn. And I feel like it, although it's never going to be easy, it does get easier because you know the animals that have lived on your property have lived their absolute very best life. And uh, now they're able to provide life and nourishment in their next stage for you. So, Exactly. And that's, that's usually my answer to everybody. Is I say, you know, it is mentally difficult for me to do, but the benefits from it is I know that these rabbits or my goats or the pigs or the cows were taken care of 100%. They had the best life that I could give them. The Even their final moments were the best, even even dispatching them. I did it in the most humane way. And then they were treated with respect as I processed them and as I cooked them. And I, I thank these animals and whoever, whatever entity you believe in, I thank them over and over again for giving me the ability to do this. And it's, it is an, an amazing thing to do if you're able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. 
from the author of Farmwives in Profile and Farmwives 2. Billy J. Miller has released her fourth book celebrating farm life. Miller examines what farm life is like through the eyes of children in her newest book, Farm Kids, Stories from Our Lives. Only not just interviewing today's children, this touching book delves into what it looked like to be a farm kid through the ages. Starting with her husband's 100-year-old grandmother, Miller asks what her days looked like when she came home from school, her memories of her mom, and what she did on most weekends. Peppered with hilarity and frank honesty only present-day kids can master, this book is filled with stories that will enlighten you, warm your heart, and make you laugh out loud. Billy is offering a special Rural Woman podcast listener discount. Use code RWP at checkout to save 10% off your book order. Head to the link in today's show notes or to billyjmiller.com shop to order your copy of Farm Kids, Stories from Our Lives. So you also have become quite the gardener and canner on your property. Yeah. Tell us more about uh, growing your food. I am completely self-taught. And well, last year was a great success with my garden and the year before. This year, and it is important to admit our failures, this year was a complete failure for, for growing anything. I couldn't grow anything but a sunflower. Um, I, I have to do some soil testing and see what's going on there. But I am self-taught. Usually, when the year goes right, I grow zucchini, garlic, onions, carrots, a lot of root vegetables, um, anything that I can process or put away to feed my family through the winter. Or, you know, if, if everything goes crazy, I've got stockpile in the basement that I can feel secure that we don't have to go to the store or, you know, those things. So. I do love to can, which I am self-taught there too. I remember as a child that my grandmother made jelly and my mother made jelly. And that's how I started. I had Emma. So this is six years ago, five years ago, somewhere in there. And I get her, bundle her up on my back. We'd go out to the strawberry field and we'd pick berries or blueberries, whatever it was in season. And with her on my back, we would be processing the jelly. And I started hearing more about pressure canning. And it's it's scary when you don't know much about it. Like the whole, all you see is the pictures on Facebook with the lid through the ceiling. <laughs> so it was scary to learn. But once I learned how to use the canner, um, just the other night, I had forgotten to pull meat out of the freezer and I went down the basement and got a jar of canned chicken and was able to make a casserole within 15 minutes. So I really love canning and that is something that once I get through the kitchen testing, I'm going to start offering classes on canning out of the house. So that way people in our area can start feeling more comfortable with a canner and learn how to preserve their food because What's the point of growing the green beans if you don't know how to freeze them properly or can them properly? Exactly. And like you said, it is very intimidating to see those kitchens with (laughs) the pressure cooker (laughs) through the cabinet above or whatever it was. And I honestly, this is for, for me, when I got my Instapot 
that's what I I pictured. Uh, that is my only yeah. <laughs> pressure cooking experience is with my Instapot. But damn, I love that yeah. thing now. But uh, it is extremely intimidating. And there's obviously a right way to do things for you know, not hurting yourself or anyone around you. But like you said, it's so important to learn how to preserve this food that you have worked so hard in growing. I know for me, I've done a little bit of water bath canning myself, but other than that, it goes in the freezer and it goes, you know, in our bellies when it can. But, you know, just having the knowledge that you know how to grow food, I think is a comforting thing. It is. It's when COVID and all that first started, I was having major anxiety because everything was shut down. And we live in an area where there's not a lot of stores. I mean, we're close to some stores, but the prices for everything is through the roof. And I was full of anxiety. That's that's why we started milking the goats, because I'm like, we're not going to run out of milk. To me, it's very important to be able to feed my children. I'm I don't want to ever be put in a situation where I don't know how I'm going to feed the kids. So that's that's why I started learning how to do that. Because what happens if we lose power? We get a lot of snow here. So if the power goes out, we're out for a while. And well, the freezer's not going to be able to stay cold. So I can't keep a lot of stuff in the freezer. Well, I can, but I don't want to be reliant on the freezer or a lot of modern technology. One of the first things I had my husband do when we moved into the house was put a wood stove in that I could cook on. Yeah, having those, you know, old school technologies really help us when the, our creature comforts aren't working like power or the internet or any of those things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially living and living rural, it's always a crapshoot, uh, especially for the internet, for me anyways, if it's going to work or not. So, <laughs> Oh, right. That's, that's why I chose phone call today, because I was like, <laughs> just in case the internet decides to go down. There you go. Elizabeth, what are some of the wins that you want to celebrate for yourself that you've been able to accomplish on your homestead? Oh, dear. I think some of the wins are... The, the updates I've been able to make to our home, like putting in the wood stove, the learning how to can and garden, even though this year was a fail with the garden, I still considered a win because I never thought about soil testing before. So now I have something new that I can bring to our the states. We have extension offices and they are support from our county and our state. So I can bring my soil to them and they're gonna send it out to have it tested and they'll come back with what I need to do to fix it. So even though it was a fail that nothing grew, it was a win that I learned about this source that I have to help me. And then the, the support that I get from my husband, I just, I don't know if he doesn't know how to say no to me. <laughs> Or if he really supports me, but either way, I appreciate him. And just gaining the confidence to do all of this because I did have depression and I was in a big downward spiral. And honestly, your podcast is what helped pull me out of it as well as, as some other things. And then just having the strength to continue on. So that's, to me, that's a big win. Those are all amazing wins for you. And Elizabeth, you shared with me a story 
about the podcast and your postpartum depression. And I have to say thank you for sharing that with me and thank you for for coming on the show. I know this is something that people, whether it's postpartum depression or seasonal depression or just overall regular depression, uh, I know there are folks who are listening who have suffered with that and are living with it and living through it. So how did your postpartum depression show up for you? So I didn't realize I had it until I was told I had it. But once my physician said, you're suffering through postpartum depression. I'm like, well, how? It's been, my child's two years old. How? And he's like, it got no timeline. So for me, I felt like a horrible mother because I was yelling a lot. I was very short tempered and I would just, I would yell and explode on my daughter who did not deserve it. And it was just, I would become very overwhelmed with noise and touching. And like, I just wanted everybody to get away from me and I wanted to be alone. But if I was alone, I felt like a bad mom because I should be with my kids and I should be with my husband and I should be enjoying these little things, these little moments. But I just, I just couldn't. And so then I started beating myself up more because I wasn't what I thought I should be. And so I did end up with my physician and he did prescribe me some medication. But then there was the mental battle of, I don't want to take this and become dependent on it because I watched a family member become dependent on these types of drugs and become addicted. And now their life is, is, I don't know how to put it politely, but we had to cut that person from our life for our own mental health because of the games they started to play. But I had to do a lot of other sort of therapy around that. I have a friend who does life coaching and she teaches tapping, which is a really cool technique of releasing energy out of your body. So I ended up having to do some of that work before I could bring myself to take the medication. And once I did, it would help, but I still wasn't feeling happy. And at the time, my daughter was supposed to start kindergarten. This is just last year. My daughter was supposed to start kindergarten, but we were homeschooling her because I didn't want her to start school and then take the risk that school was going to close down because she's a very sensitive and she puts her heart into everything. And it's wonderful to watch how she's like that, but I didn't want her to go to school and start making friends and then school will get shut down. So we decided to homeschool her, but even that was stressing me out. So the medicine took the edge off but everything was still stressing me out. And I wanted to do something more than just be a stay-at-home mom. And I got on my phone and I Googled podcasts, farming, homeschooling, homesteading, and your podcast came up. And the first episode I listened to was one with Megan Harris. And I listened to her talk about how she homeschooled, how she is involved in her agriculture and everything she was doing was stuff that I wanted to be doing. And because she has horses, she has chickens, she has the goats. I'm like, that's all stuff that I want to do. I'm like, if she can do it and keep the kids at home, maybe I can do it. And 
I kept listening to more of your podcasts and I it just really started to pull me up to hear about how these other women were getting through their days and doing what it is they love because I was lacking feeling like I was doing something other than taking care of runny noses and little kids that needed to go to the bathroom and who needs dinner and this, that, and the other thing. And it was listening to Megan talk about what she does. And I came up with a game plan and I told my husband, all right, I want to raise rabbits. They're not a big, they don't take up a lot of space. They do, but they don't. And they don't take much. I said, so if it's a fail, then we can just end it quickly and, and move on to the next thing. And I had chickens. Oh, I had a lot of chickens. I'm like, why don't I start selling them the same way Megan was doing? I'm like, I could sell these chickens. She's getting $35 a bird. I could get $35 a bird up here. So I did. I went from having around 30 chickens to a dozen and I sold them all. And I continue to do that now. I raise birds to laying age and I sell them and I raise my rabbits and I sell them. And if I don't, I have it all organized so that way if it doesn't sell, it's not a big deal. It's not a big hit to the wallet. It just goes to freezer. And I I started to pull out of the depression and I still do have bad days, but I've gotten to the point where I'm able to recognize it now. And I think that's, that's a huge win too, is being able to recognize I'm having a bad day today. What, where are my tools that I can use to pull myself out of this? Because I have been off the medication now for quite a while. And that's also a win in my book. But I do understand that sometimes we need to stay on it as well to continue to help ourselves. And that's okay. I think it's important to learn our lo- learn to love ourselves wherever it is we are in our life. And it's okay. You have said so many beautiful things there, Elizabeth. and. I, you did it. I missed you over here. <laughs> no, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, it, it means the world to me that the work that I'm able to do here in sharing the stories is helping people. And, you know, there, there are days where I know, like, I know this for a fact, I know it's helping people. I hear it from people like you and other folks who reach out, but like you, there are days where I sit here, I'm just like, oh gosh, what am I doing? Like, why is this even important? Like, why am I spending my time doing this when I could be doing so many other things and especially on the farm, but hearing that and knowing that stories like Megan's and all the other incredible women that I've been able to share helps. It uh, it makes me keep going. So thank you for that. Yes, please keep going. Because <laughs> I, just, I think some days I'd be lost without you. And, and you are one of my tools when I'm having a bad day. I go, what is going on on the Rural Women Podcast? And I, turn it on. <laughs> I ask myself that same question some days. What is happening over there? <laughs> But uh, some of the things that you said that I, I took notes on is is super important. You know, I think there is, as far as we've come in sharing the stories of mental health and sharing the tools and resources, you know, I still think for whatever reason, there's a stigma that we hold on to for so many different things, but specifically around 
medication, I think the stigma still yeah. stands. And, you know, I, I experienced something very similar however many years ago now it was and have battled back and forth of, do I need this? Do I not need this? But you yeah. said it perfectly. It's a tool. It's a tool that you yeah. can to help make yourself feel how you want to feel. You know, it, it's not going to help you feel better. I, I hate to say it helps you feel better because there's so many different things that go into that as well, but it's just a tool in your toolbox. So if you need to keep that tool for a short amount of time, or if it's a life longer, like that's, that's okay yeah. too. And, you know, finding different things that help too, like medication is one thing you, you mentioned tapping, tapping is another talking to a therapist, talking to a friend, you know, finding a podcast to listen to that helps you get through your day, whatever it is, right? Like these are just tools in our toolbox to help us feel better and to recognize the type of day that you're having. I think that's the most powerful tool that you can have. Yeah, that was a huge one. That especially when it came time to processing the animals. And I would go into complete rag mode for two days afterwards. And finally, I realized that that's what I was doing. So I started setting up play dates for the kids so that way they could go somewhere so I could take my time to decompress what it is I needed to feel. Because there's, there's sometimes that I do, I have to sit and cry after I've processed the animals because I do love my animals so much. And I have a ton of compassion for them. So there are, when we process the goats, that that was probably one of the hardest ones for me because little Theo, he was always up beside me and following me around just like a dog. So that, that one was hard. I had to have my husband help me with him because he was, he was a pet. But at the same time, he didn't sell. So I had to face the facts and I had to stick with my plan. and. That we keep the girls. The girls can stay, but the boys have to go. Right. Well, I'm I'm proud of you for that because I myself know exactly how hard that yeah. can be. And unless you want to be some type of hoarder or <laughs> you know, you can't you can't keep them all. And it's really hard and it's really difficult. And to make those decisions is never easy. And I always think like you know, does this make me less of a farmer because I have such a hard time with this? But I, I think it's it's okay. You have human emotions and, you know, exactly. you, you have to recognize those emotions and stick with the plan or, you know, figure out a new plan. Yeah. And unless it's yep. starting a petting zoo, then uh, I think <laughs> you got to do what you have to do, right? So, yeah. The Book of Planning, Dreaming, Organizing, and Resources for Everyone Living a Rural Life and Involved in Agriculture is back. Navigate 2023 is here. It's more than just your average day planner. Designed for a rural lifestyle, Navigate includes everything from weekly and monthly planning pages to reflections and gratitude practices. What makes Navigate unique is a section dedicated to agriculture, including facts, crops and livestock inventories, a garden map, and much more. Navigate is made with high-quality paper, and the cover is eye-catching, but also durable. Monthly tabs help to easily navigate the book, and the pocket in the back is useful for keeping track of those loose papers. The Navigate Planner is here to bring harmony to your story. 
Head to the link in today's show notes or to alisonweaver.com to grab your copy of Navigate 2023. Elizabeth, for someone who is listening who may be experiencing PPD or any other, you know, sort of depression, whether we're going into seasonal depression season, and I know it's hard for a lot of people, is there any words of encouragement that you have that you want to share with them? Keep going. There is a light at the tunnel. At the end of the tunnel, it might be a ways away, but good things are coming. Find somebody to talk to, whether it's your physician, a therapist, a friend, anybody. Find somebody to talk to, even if it's yourself. Take notes on how you're feeling. Take notes on the things that help you feel better, what made you feel better that day. And when you know you're having a bad day and you just don't want to get out of bed, that's okay. You don't have to get out of bed. But find something to enjoy while you're there whether it's a book, a podcast, be in bed and be on the phone with your friend or even force yourself to get up and get out of the house. If that's an option, get out of the house because there is light and I I do promise things will get better. Thank you for that. That was perfect. Elizabeth, what are your future plans for your homestead? What, What are some goals that you are working towards? Oh dear, that's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everything. I am a big dreamer. Right now, my focus is on getting my soil figured out so next year's garden can do better. We have to finish my little goat farm, hopefully by spring, but I do have to breed my goats here soon. And I would like to learn how to make the goat's milk. Right now, we just have a bunch in the freezer, and that is what we are drinking from right now. We just dried the girls off. So the plans are to just keep going, feel out my market, and see what's going to work and what doesn't look like it's going to work. So the classes for the winter, I'm going to start teaching processing classes for water bath canning, pressure canning, and processing the rabbits. And when the chickens are available to do that, because I feel like education, whether it's educating myself or educating others is where it's at right now, because there's a huge need for that, especially with everything that's going on these days. There's a lot of uncertainty and trying to help people feel more secure in what they have, how to properly stockpile. You might have bought the rice, but now what? A lot of people don't know that they need to freeze rice before they put it in their storage container. So that way, any of the little bugs that might be in there die off. Or the same thing with flour. It's it's education, learning. I need to learn and I need to help teach others because I feel it's really important. Well, those are all big goals and those are all important goals. And I'm so excited to continue to follow along with them and uh, learn from you. And uh, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today and sharing your story and being so vulnerable with us. And you, you've you helped others, in, including myself today here, Elizabeth. Thank so you. Thank, you thank you so much. My last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman for you? Just feeling the connection to everything we have 
around us. The, the trees are trees we process for wood for our, our wood stove. And I feel connected to that because we spent the time cutting the trees and splitting the wood and stacking it. And the connection to the animals, we spent the time picking up the best ones and breeding them and growing them, processing them. And the ground, the same thing. We spent the time working with the ground and continuing to work with it and learning from my mistakes and growing. So everything is just growing and connection. And to me, that is that feeds my soul. Those are all good things. Growth and connection definitely brings everyone together, whether we know it or not. <laughs> right? Elizabeth, We're it all is. In this together. Exactly. We're all in it together, whether we like it or not. <laughs> yep. <laughs> For the folks who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? You can look up on Facebook. I am the Goat Life Farm. Goat is G-O-A-D. I always joke around and say it's goat with a D. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also on Instagram and I have my website link on both of those things. But uh, Facebook, Instagram, my website. And I'm, I'm here to help anybody who has any questions. I love to be an open book and nothing's usually too far off the table for what I'll talk about. That's perfect. And I will link all of those in today's show notes. And as well as I'm going to link Megan Harris's episode, episode 97 of the podcast. So we can all thank Megan for this one. So yes, I do keep in touch with her. I messaged her after I listened to that episode and I was so emotional and felt so empowered by it. I found her on Facebook and I messaged her and thanked her for doing the interview with you because she she changed my life for the better. Thank you for that. And you know, I I can't encourage listeners enough that if they connect with someone on the show through their story to reach out to them because I haven't met or talked to anyone on this podcast that has not been open to that connection following the show. So that's why we say, where can we find you online so everyone can connect? (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you again so much, Elizabeth, for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I am so honored to be here. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim and Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. 
send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story.